Are you ready to be inspired, challenged, and strengthened in your faith walk? Are you ready to get breakthrough from those old cycles and thought patterns that you just can't seem to get freedom from? Then you've come to the right place. You are going to get freedom, you are going to get breakthrough, and you are going to get healing because that's the life that Jesus paid for. This podcast is not just talk. We're going to live it. I want to personally welcome you to my little podcast corner. My name is Jillian Ahonen, and I am so excited for what God's going to do through our time together today. Whether you're driving in traffic to work, out on a morning run, or sipping your coffee in a comfy chair, let's get our hearts ready for today's word. Well, good morning, family. Welcome back to another episode of Not Just Talk. I'm your host, Jillian Ahonen, and I pray you are well today. Do you ever ask God questions? (laughs) I do. And over the years, I've learned that every single question that I will ever have on this side of heaven is found in the Word of God. And I don't always like the answer, um, but I believe God. I believe His Word over my feelings. And so I've learned that as a believer in Christ, as His child, I need to get my heart, my thoughts, and the answers to life and all of its struggles lined up with the Word of God because the word of God is the truth that sets us free. And so our freedom really is in hearing the word of God, getting truth into our minds and hearts and living out God's will over our own. Well, it was several years ago. um, I was just being raw and honest before the Lord. It was just one of those times in his presence before my family woke up I do this every morning, and I was going through a season where I had just been, again, pummeled by people, just feeling really let down by people, and it had not been the first time, so I'm sitting there in God's presence, and I'm just kind of pouring my heart out to Him, and I found myself saying, Lord, your word says I'm supposed to love people, but how am I supposed to keep loving people when they keep hurting me? I mean, it was, it was a very real and honest struggle before the Lord. Realize that we are going to have struggles in life. I mean, that's just, that's not, uh, whoa, really? I mean, it's just real. We all have struggles in life. We all face hard things. I want to invite you and encourage you today to wrestle those things out with the Lord. Don't wrestle them out by yourselves. Don't go to somebody and vent. I mean, it's okay to vent to somebody, but... Hopefully that somebody that you're venting to can encourage you in the Lord because that's where your true freedom will come from. But really go to him. He he wants us to come to him and wrestle these things out. He has answers for every single one of our life experiences here on earth. And he also shows us through his word what to do with that, what to do about it, and his heart. I know I'm not alone in being treated poorly by people. I don't know what you've gone through. I just know what I've gone through. And I have definitely been let down by people. I mean, people are imperfect. We all have wounds. We all have barriers. We all have hurts. We all have backstories. We all have stuff, right? None of us are perfect. We all fall short. And out of that reality, we get hurt by people. I know that you've probably experienced some pretty overwhelming things. I'm not going to get into the details of what I've experienced. I know I've shared a lot. I've not shared all of it. (laughs) We don't have time for that. 
Um, but it has been a lot. It's been very real and my heart has sometimes felt trampled on. I feel like sometimes I give my best to get the worst back. <laughs> Anybody ever feel that way? Um, well, I'm going to encourage you keep giving your best. And my hope is after this message today that you realize that your best is what God calls us to give even when other people are not doing it in return. Okay, so back to what I was saying when I was just being raw and honest before the Lord and saying, God, you you want me to do this, right? You want me to love people. You want me to just continue on in this race and keep, you know, stay close to people. And all my heart wants to do is block them out, cut them off, leave, retreat, isolate, you name it, right? Our human response to hurt is kind of like pullback. Well, I was just venting before the Lord. I, I'm pro- I was probably journaling that day. And I don't think that God really spoke into it much that day, but I definitely felt his presence and I felt his peace just to be real, just to be in that place in that moment of being raw and honest before the Lord. It's amazing the comfort that we can get from him just being honest and real. I don't know if you've ever done that before, but I highly encourage it. You are not talking into the air or empty space. You are actually calling upon the name of the Lord and the word of God says that when we when we draw near to him, him. He draws near to us. So you can be sure that when you bring these things to the Lord, he's going to meet you and he's going to fill you with a peace because his presence is real. Well, I didn't get a direct answer that day. I think it came maybe a couple of days later. And I'm one of those people where when I kind of dump, I leave it in God's hands and I walk away from that moment and I just kind of continue to live on with my life. I don't sit there in turmoil and stress. I've really learned that um, it is it is for my best to leave it in God's hands. When I have these worries of this life, to leave it in God's hands. When I vent to him, I'm venting, releasing, giving it to him, and trusting him with it. And so it was several days later that I was having my devotional time. I was reading my Bible, and these scriptures jumped out at me. And I want to read them to you, and I want to share with you what God said to me that day because it was something so powerful and so profound, it really set me free in this struggle. Okay, this is found in John 2, 23 through 25, and I'm going to read the NLT version today because I think the language is just plain and simple and easy to understand, but it doesn't take away from the power of the original language and what Jesus is trying to tell us today and what God spoke to my heart. So it says um, this again, John 2, 23 through 25, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him, but Jesus did not trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature for he knew what was in each person's heart. And the Holy Spirit whispered to my heart, I never ask you to put your trust in people. I said, put your trust in me and love them. That was powerful. I literally felt a huge weight lift off of me. I think sometimes in our human understanding, love equates with trust and trust equates with love. And so we put those two together and we think that's what it's supposed to look like. And I think that's one of the main reasons why we really struggle to forgive, release, and love people the way we're called to, because we have this misunderstanding that we're also supposed to trust them, trust them with our hearts, pull close to them. It is powerful to understand that God is saying, put your confident trust in me, rest in me, keep your eyes on me. 
I'm not asking you to trust everybody. I'm not asking you to go out and just believe that everybody is going to treat you right and treat you well. We have we have so many scriptures that show us that that's probably not going to happen in our life. And yes, we do have those people we can pull closely in those communities and we have built trust with people. But let's be realistic. Sometimes those people that we've grown to trust can also hurt us too. So there's a level of ultimate trust that only belongs to God. And it doesn't mean that we have to put everybody on the judgment seat. We're going to talk about that one. So when God says, put your trust in me and love them, I want to talk about what that can look like as we put our trust in God, knowing that he is faithful, he is true to his word, He is trustworthy. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never turn his back on us. He sent his son to pay the ultimate sacrifice so that we can have a relationship with him. There are so many absolutes that we know about God as we read in his word and we can be firm-footed in the truth, knowing who our God is, knowing that he is faithful and he is trustworthy. And what happens is oftentimes people let us down and then we get our view mixed in with people and God and start to view God that way and pull back from him also. And God wants us to really separate the two. We need to really work on something that we might naturally do as humans, which is filter God through man. And what we need to do is we need to get a good view of God. We need to get a good understanding of his heart. And from there, we can view people through his heart and eyes. And that's where we get the freedom to love people. See, God calls us to love unconditionally, but a lot of us are putting conditions on our love. Let's let's be honest. How many times do you say you love somebody, then they hurt you and you pull back and withhold love? That's called conditional love. And we say, well, you don't know, or they, or yeah, but, and we explain why we're pulling back and withholding love. And we've got all kinds of reasons for it. Honestly, there's a lot of worldly concepts that have slipped into the church that has made it very difficult for us to live apart and to actually set ourselves apart, pick up our cross, follow Jesus, look like love, walk in love. So we're going to talk about that today. I'm not going to get into everything that's gone on that's wrong. There are a lot of things that I could talk about in the body of Christ, and I fell into it too. There was many seasons where I really had this belief, well, you know, I'm not Jesus, and, you know, so I I don't really have to love that person, and they're unsafe, and I need to have healthy boundaries. Now, There's a level of healthy boundaries, but I think that it looks really different when we actually hold ourselves up to the word of God because we're so covered by the blood and we're so saturated in his love, filled with mercy and the grace that empowers us to look like Jesus, act like Jesus, and walk in love and produce his fruit. Um, We're living in such a supernatural freedom that we don't even need to say, oh, well, I need to have healthy boundaries and that person is toxic. You know, all these things that we claim and we walk in, let's be real. If we're so busy looking at people through our humanistic point of view, we are not going to be able to love them like Jesus wants us to. We have come so far away in finding loopholes to not live up to God's word by justifying and demanding our own rights and our own way. And I call it comfortable Christianity. (laughs) 
And Jesus said that we're going to probably be really uncomfortable here. He didn't say probably. He actually promised we're going to be uncomfortable here, but that his peace is going to reign and his comfort is going to meet us. But I'll tell you right now, if you don't understand what that looks like because you're so busy trying to create your own safe place of comfort instead of realizing that that Jesus is actually your safe place and you're going to have a comfort beyond your human understanding when you walk closely with him, you're going to have a really difficult time because you're setting yourself up to constantly fall. You're setting yourself up with this idea and this belief systems that says you have to surround yourself with the right people in order to be okay. And so you have to go find your tribe. There's nothing wrong with having a healthy community. There's nothing wrong with having healthy accountability and solid people in your life. I think that is a really valuable thing. But if we put our emphasis on it and we're constantly cutting out people, then we're not living out the mandate of the church. We're not loving one another like Christ loves the church. We're actually creating more division and it's setting us up to be ineffective as the body of Christ. The Bible is clear. We are called to love people. And in order to understand what that looks like, we have to have that grace from the throne room that empowers us to love like Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 16 says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I just want to look at this for a quick second, okay? Christ's love compels us. It is the love of God that we have experienced straight from the throne room that compels us to love like him. When we understand that love, we're convinced that he died for that person that you don't like. He died for that person that thinks different than you, that believes different than you, that acts different than you, that may have mistreated you. Jesus actually died for that person also. And so with that understanding and with that correct framework, through our Father's heart and through his word, we then are compelled to love that person the way Jesus loves us. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, we're saying yes to God, we're saying yes to his ways, and we're denying ourselves. We're giving up our cross and we're following him. And that's what it looks like. We're not living for ourselves anymore. We're living for him who died for us. Matthew sixteen twenty four says, then Jesus said to his disciples, see, when Jesus is talking, I pay attention. I pay attention to the word of God, period. But when Jesus is talking, I really lean in, okay? This is what Jesus said to his disciples. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Well, in order to know what that looks like, we have to study the life of Jesus. He was mocked. He was disregarded. He was treated poorly. He was judged unfairly. He was mistreated. What did he do? He continued to love. He continued to focus on the mission. He did not get himself hung up on what people did to him and play the victim in life. He was about his father's business. He was love. He is the purest example. Jesus shows us how to live and he shows us how to love. He laid down his own life for us. And that's the life we're called into. Whether you like it or not, that's the life we've been called into as children of God. And when we have a correct understanding of this and when we've really invited Jesus into our heart and we choose to surrender our will for his, we're actually walking in a freedom that's inexplainable. We have too many scriptures in the word of God that tells us to love anyway, tells us to love when we're not treated correctly. It doesn't matter 
John 13, 34 through 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Can we be honest? We're not doing this very well as a church body. We've got so much division that has gone on in the hearts of people. We have cut people out, what people group we're going to associate. We pick sides based on politics and all of these things that is really just ripping us apart and causing us to be so ineffective. How are we supposed to prove to the world that we are God's disciples if we're not even walking in love with our own church family? And when I say church family, I'm not talking about your building. I'm talking about believers across the world. We are God's children. We are supposed to be the light to the world. And it's not restricted by a building or a church name. It's those who call themselves Christ followers, Christians, believers. We are the family of God. We are God's children. We are his disciples. And we're called to love one another so that the world can see the display of God's love through us. We really got to get this one right. And remember, you don't have to trust everybody. Wow, freedom, right? You don't have to trust everybody. Put your trust in God. Put your confident trust in God, and it will set you up to invite him into that place and see other people through his heart and eyes. If you've been hurt by somebody, I've got a really simple method that I do. I am very honest. I'm very honest with my own heart and the things that I've walked through and what I've experienced and the people that have hurt me. I don't just avoid those things that are stirring in my heart. I'm real before the Lord. I talk a lot about this in my book, Ripple Effect. If you've read it, awesome. If you haven't, grab it. It's really going to help you in so many different areas to really understand what's holding you back from living in the freedom that Jesus paid for. But I I just want to make it really simple today. I've got four words, and then I'm going to break down each of those words that is going to help you Learn what it looks like in a very practical way to trust God, put your trust in God, love others. And in order to do that, we've got to kind of allow ourselves to go through a process in order to get God's heart for those people who may have hurt us. Number one, we have got to forgive. I have learned in my own personal life that it is to my benefit to be quick to forgive. So when I feel that sting in my heart, when I experience somebody doing something that has really affected me or maybe they've betrayed me or broken trust or, you know, whatever it may be from a small scale to a large scale, I have learned that my freedom is in obedience and it's to quickly forgive that person. It's not a feeling, it's an act of obedience. In Matthew 6, 14, 15, it says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. There's a but, okay? But if you do not forgive others' sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I'm not going to get into a theological debate. I'm just going to read it in its most simple terms. If I forgive other people when they sin against me, my heavenly Father also forgives me. But if I don't forgive them, I'm not forgiven. See, the Bible says to forgive freely as I have forgiven you. So basically, it's a gift. Forgiveness is a gift. And in order to receive that gift, we also have to 
give that gift away. If we're not giving it away and we're harboring it and we're justifying and we're withholding forgiveness, we actually walk in bitterness. We can't love other people effectively. So forgiveness is the very first thing that we need to do when that person wrongs you automatically. This is what I say. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. And maybe they do, but they don't really understand the impact on the kingdom when they do that thing. Okay, so I just use Jesus's words as he's being crucified on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I just release them right away. I give them to my father in heaven. I realize that I fall short and I need forgiveness and I need mercy. And therefore, I am called to give that same forgiveness and mercy, period. No yeah buts, no justifications. It's an automatic choice to obey my God, who I say I'm living for. The next one is release. Release that person into God's hands. I know that one's a really tough one. We want to withhold love. We want to judge. But I want to read to you from Romans 2, 1 through 5. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sins? I know we've talked about this before in a previous podcast, but I want to bring it into this specific idea of trusting God and releasing others. We have to realize that God is judge and he is a good, trustworthy, faithful judge. He knows what's going on in the hearts. And when there is wickedness in somebody's heart and they really do not have a repentant heart before the Lord, God is going to handle that one. Okay, we all have junk. We all have stuff. We've all fallen short. We've all done done the wrong thing. We've all said the wrong thing. We've behaved wrong. So realize other people are going to do that too. And the enemy is really the one behind the scene trying to create more division in Christ. And the only way that we can stand firm against the schemes of the enemy that is there to steal, kill, and destroy and create division within the body of Christ to make us ineffective for the kingdom of God is to release the person that wronged us to the one that is judge. And realize that it's God's kindness that drew us to him. And your kindness is going to draw others to him. We have to get judgment out of our hearts and let God be God in our lives and in others. It is impossible to love those we are called to if we're judging them based on our humanistic point of view. Remember, I read 2 Corinthians a bit ago where it says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, right? Well, if you keep reading to verse 17, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. I want to bring that down to a very simple understanding. If the love of God has met us in a way that has changed the way we think, the way we see, the way we act, what happens is now we have a correct view of ourselves, we have a correct view of God, therefore we can have a correct view of others, and we're not judging them from a worldly point of view. A worldly point of view says cut off the person who hurt you. 
a worldly point of view justifies and and gives you permission to have judgmental thoughts towards somebody the judgmental thoughts is really just justifying your conditional love let's just let's just look at it really really simply when you choose to develop a judgment against somebody that is a worldly point of view and the only thing that it's doing is justifying giving you permission to withhold love, which is against God's commands. And we have to be honest with ourselves. The third one is invite. Invite Jesus to come into that place of brokenness in your heart and heal you. Sometimes we can become so obedient that we ignore the residue that life and people left in our hearts. And God never said, deny the hurt in our heart. He said, deny ourselves by taking up our cross and loving people anyway, and be imitators of Christ and look like love and walk in love and release his love. But we do get hurt. (laughs) Even Jesus cried out to the Father. Even Jesus acknowledged his pain. He acknowledged it before the Lord. He pulled away. We don't really know exactly everything, but we know he pulled away often to be with the Father. And I'm encouraging you today to not ignore the things stirring in your heart because now you're like, oh man, I got to just go obey. And we kind of deny that there's hurt in there. I talk about that in my book, Ripple Effect. Again, I encourage you to pick it up, but we do need to go to Jesus. We do need to acknowledge the hurt that we have in our heart. Psalm 147.3 says, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. We talk about this a lot. We talk about time with Jesus and having that space with him and going to him. And this is another facet of what we have as Christ followers is we have this direct access to go to God with everything that we're feeling and everything that we've experienced. Acknowledge the hurt that we have in our heart. Don't harbor it. Don't shove it down. Don't pretend it's not there. Bring it to him. We have to take that step to bring it to him. Sometimes we can acknowledge it and we can vent it to our therapist and we can vent it to our BFF and we can vent it to our small group, but realize those people can't heal us. They can encourage us in the Lord, but Jesus is healer, and we've got to go to him for that healing touch. The last one, and another really important one, is ask. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the Father's eyes and heart for that person, to see them the way he does. I'm going to read a portion of my latest book, Ripple Effect. This was a really tough one for me, okay? I'm sure it's a tough one for you too, right? So, In our humanness, we don't want to see other people through the Father's eyes and through the Father's heart. I mean, come on. We want to see them through, well, I don't don't want to say we want to see them. I think we naturally see them through our hurt. We see them through our experience. But in order to love like Jesus, in order to really be able to live out the mandate of Christ, we have to acknowledge that we can't do it in our own strength. These moments are an opportunity for us to ask God to give us his eyes and his heart to see others the way he does. And through that, we can love like Christ loved the church. We can love like our Father in heaven. So I'm going to pull a portion of my book up to share with you. Let's see, where am I going to start? This is chapter one. Revelation of love. And I'm going to start on page. All right. I think I'm just going to start on the end of page 26. And let's just see where the Holy Spirit stops me today. Okay. All right. So, okay. Page 26, the end of it, second to last paragraph. I'm not sure if you have the book. If you want to follow along with me, awesome. Um, But here we go. Okay. What I've discovered, actually, (laughs) 
Let's be real. I need to put my glasses on for this. Yeah, I've entered that age, guys. I have to wear glasses to see better. Okay. What I've discovered through my own personal journey, coaching sessions, and as I do life with my family of faith is a gap between knowing about God's love versus living from a place of unconditional love. The root problem is a lack of trust. Many of us are struggling to trust in God's unconditional love, not realizing the internal block. When we struggle to trust and simply receive his love, loving others remains a challenge. Rather than being filled with God's unconditional love, we are empty and only have a conditional love to give. Then we meet someone who is, well, prickly, causing a jolt to our system, triggering a negative feeling that causes us to pull back, withholding grace and love. Oftentimes we listen to those feelings and develop a judgment toward that person who rubbed us wrong. Sometimes even going as far as to build a hatred against them in our hearts. In truth, we are living from our feelings instead of from our new natures, which is to be like Christ, freely loving because he first loved us. 1 John 4, 19-20 NLT, we love others because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot? Yikes, right? Whoever hates a brother or sister is a liar. That sounds harsh, but it's the word of God, which is a lamp to our feet that lights up the path of life for us. So we really need to take into consideration what may be going on in our hearts. I get it. Who wants to admit that there might be hate in their heart towards others? It's ugly, right? Avoiding what's stirring in our hearts is not going to get rid of it. The issue festers, creating barriers in our hearts, limiting the flow of God's love in us and through us, and we become ineffective, limited by our old nature, the flesh. Remember, we're called to live by the Spirit. Then we read the love chapter in Corinthians and try in our own strength to look like love while struggling with secret battles of guilt and reasoning because of the strong negative feelings that are weighing in. What are we left to do other than learn to work harder at covering up what we're feeling so we can look and sound like love? We end up leaving the Holy Spirit out of the equation, not even considering going to him for help. Now, many genuinely believe that reading God's word and hearing the messages we've been given on love is asking for God's help, but is it? We can do a heart check to see if we've allowed the Holy Spirit to genuinely help us with the love factor or if we're still trying to look and sound like love in our own strength. It begins with being honest with ourselves, a willingness to evaluate what's going on in our hearts and our thought life, and checking in to see if what we are feeling and thinking lines up with the heart of the Father. Here are some great journal questions to help you connect. This could be a good pause and reflect point for you. Do you feel softness towards others or do you pull back with harsh, unloving thoughts? Is love truly running through you or are you creating a facade of love by saying all the right things but feeling the opposite towards others? Are there people that you've cut out of your life, maybe even your own family members, whether church body or your immediate family, and you're withholding love with your list of justifications and reasons? Have you been hurt by someone and your thoughts toward them are strong and hate-filled? Keep in mind, I'm not referring to a need for safety in abusive situations, but we still need to check in with our hearts to find out if hate is stirring. Looking at these truths will reveal the areas where we are struggling in our flesh, not living by the Spirit, and in need of a healing touch from Jesus. I know I'm probably hitting on some pressure points here. Please know this is not to shame anyone, but an invitation for us to evaluate what's stirring in our hearts. We as the church body are struggling with the love factor big time. And many are faking love. Yeah, I'm calling us out right now. It's okay. Deep breath. (laughs) 
I've gone through seasons where I've struggled to see people through God's eyes and genuinely struggled to like them, let alone love them. I know, shocker, right? I'm rolling my eyes. Upon recognizing my distaste, I acknowledged my hidden inner struggle, brought it to the light of God's presence, and asked, there's the word, okay, asked, and asked my Heavenly Father to show me who they are to Him. I invited the Holy Spirit to help me see them through my Father's eyes, not my own. His love overwhelmed me for them. I didn't shove away my inner struggle, justify or rationalize my flesh, giving myself a list of excuses and reasons, or even try to find something good about them. Try doing that when all you see is their flaws, weakness, and mistakes. Instead, I acknowledged my struggle before the Lord and asked for help. And he showed up. I'm inviting you into this incredible and powerful, empowering way of life where you are truly walking in the freedom that Jesus paid for. When you are anchored in that trust relationship with God, when your confident trust is in the one who will never leave you, he will never fail you, he will never hurt you, he will be with you, he's gone before you, he's right beside you, his power and his presence is within you, his love is going to envelop you, his comfort is overwhelming for you, His joy is going to be your strength and you can see life and other people through the heart of your father and you will be so free to radically love those people around you, even the ones who have hurt you, who've betrayed you, who've wronged you, who said something about you behind your back. That's freedom. This is a high call. This is a high call, but it's God's call. It's God's call for each one of us to get our hearts and our minds lined up with his truth and to get a correct understanding of what we're called to. This is our freedom. God never said you needed to put your trust in people. He said, put your trust in him and love them. I want to close with this, just something to to sit with and think about. This is Ephesians 4, 29 through 5, 2. How many of you realize that those numbers in the Bible doesn't mean that we separate them? as like chapters or different concepts. It's just so that we can find different portions of God's word easily, but it's really read all together. So we're going to go from 429 through 52. And this is in regards to what we think and what we say about other people and really what we're being called to be as children of God. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for God, a pleasing aroma to God. Thank you for joining me today. I'm believing the Holy Spirit met you powerfully through this week's episode of Not Just Talk. Now for the real part. Let's take this conversation beyond talk and live it in our daily lives. Amen? Don't forget to check out my newly released book. I'm really excited. It's called Ripple Effect. 
a transformational journey into God's heart that will change you from the inside out. It's available now on your favorite online bookstore, Amazon, or you can order a signed copy direct through my website, jillianahonan.com. Also, did you know that we have a ministry app where you can receive direct notifications for everything we have going on beyond this weekly podcast? Just search Jillian Ahonan Ministries in your app store and download it for free. And please, I'd love to see your face on social media. Connect with me on my public Facebook page or on Instagram. I hang out there daily. Don't forget to subscribe and come back next week for another episode of Not Just Talk. Hugs and blessings, family.